Hello and welcome to your shout on radio. Thank you for tuning into this extremely special podcast because we're bringing you this literally from the Nilgiris, our beloved Blue Mountains. For those of you who are following the Jungle Gypsy, this podcast is the grand follow-up to all the coverage and notes that he has made through his time in the Nilgiri Biosphere Reserve. We are in conversation with Pratim. Pratim, hi. Hi. He's the founder of the Keystone Foundation that works in summary and very simply for forests, honey and the Adivasis. And we want you to hear his story from scratch because it is special, it is inspiring and it will make you want to make a change in any way you possibly can because a sensitivity to your environment matters and because we shout for everything that matters we are so happy to hear the story of the Keystone Foundation from the founder himself so pratham take it away tell us your story exactly like you did the first time we met you thank you this opportunity now let me take you back almost uh, to 1989 so 1989 i finished my a masters in school of ecology salim ali school of ecology in pondicherry university and i got my first job in delhi um young um and i joined this very interesting organization called development alternatives and there i met two of my friends uh, we are friends till date uh, matthew and sne and we wanted to do something which was different we had a great time in development alternatives and 3 years we worked and uh, we explored different parts of the country and we started a field project in the south of india in the palni hills and that's for, that was our first taste of working on the ground so we wanted to understand the linkages between ecology and economics the linkages between biodiversity and livelihoods and how does it play out in the real world what does it what does all these uh, terms mean for really local people on the ground the experience that we got in in the capital was of another kind and it was definitely uh, intellectually very stimulating but somewhere we felt a gap that unless we know the ground reality we wouldn't be able to build up on the concepts and the principles that we are talking about so we took off and uh, we had um, some resources rather very little resources to be very honest uh, we we took off from developed alternatives first our first experience with the mountain ecosystem was we spent some time in the himalayas in himachal pradesh exactly for about uh, almost a year covering all the 12 districts of himachal pradesh that gave us a sense of wanting to work in mountain ecosystems We came down south. We had a base in Pondicherry. My sister was there. I grew up in Pondicherry, and uh, we traveled, backpacked, mountain areas in Tamil Nadu, looking at traditional honey collectors and beekeepers. People started to realize and think that this is a bunch of really crazy people. Why honey bees and why tribal people? Because anywhere in the world you go, the word honey. and everything connected to honey appeals a lot to the tribal communities anywhere in the whole world 
and if you make an effort to understand the art the science the culture the linkages the barter system of that beauty of that activity you'll be opening up worlds which are still unknown to the real to to, to us so we did this backpacking in 15 hill areas covering 11 different tribal communities of tamil nadu and the sole aim was we wanted to set up a base and start our work in the villages and if we failed uh, our previous boss would have been too happy to have us back in delhi for sure but that's how we came to kotagiri where i am sitting with you now we did not to anybody in kotagiri kotagiri uh, now looks like a big town but it was a small village uh, 26 years back and we realized that there were several communities in and around kotagiri who are dependent on honey gathering whose livelihoods is all about honey and they do a number of forest produce collection and their lives are in a very bad shape in an economic sense they are poor people they are shy people they don't want to talk about it you need a lot of effort to try and understand these invisible people their populations are few so that becomes even more remote even more difficult so we said we'll give ourselves 3 years and if we achieve to establish a good relationship with them then we don't need to go anywhere else this is our place and in about 2 years time we had won the trust of the communities and the survey that we did in tamil nadu we created a photo album uh we called it the wedding album our wedding album in the in the process of starting keystone in 1993 in 1992 i also got married to sne who's one of our founders two of us we got married and so this was like our baby coming out and the wedding album was the whole marriage uh, uh, looking at the honey hunters and the villages here were incredibly interested in that album and they knew that we were trying to go beyond an income generation activity we really wanted to touch a life and open a relationship yes how did you get the communities over here to become comfortable with y'all because y'all also came in from the outside you haven't been from the nilgiris throughout how did they build that relationship with you very very pertinent question and uh, this was also our anxiety and fear that how would we be accepted but you know how these things happen it's uh, you can call it serendipity you can call it being guided by something which is of a higher force or a divine hand Uh, we started our survey looking at honey hunters and beekeepers in Tamil Nadu and we drew a map from how we are going to logistically look at it so we took a bus overnight from pondicherry to reach to uti and we said okay we'll start from the uh, western uh, end of tamil nadu the upper areas of nilgiris and then go down all the way to kanyakumari and travel across different hill areas in uh, by the time we reached kunur we got off we were not supposed to get off at kunur we were supposed to get off at uti and i said let's get off here and we got in touch with the ymca people who connected us to a anthropologist in kotagiri we took another bus and that man looked at us the three of us with our backpacks 
Reverend Mali, he's happy to see, he's now one of our trustees. He opened all his doors and all his contacts to us. So we targeted on three villages and we started going to those three villages. The villages knew that we understood the world of bees and beekeeping. So they were interested in that. We shared that photo album book, but it took us a year of almost a weekly effort to establish a really a solid relationship with the communities. And they know why we have come here. We know why we would like to go and work with them. What is it that we are doing? It's not that we have a project from Delhi. It's not that we have money. We said we want to start understanding your life. And we are interested in looking at these things. We are looking at interested in looking at the connection between honey, bees, pollinator, environment, their culture, their livelihoods. They helped us through building all these connections and making these things work. That's absolutely wonderful for like you said such a reticent such a withdrawn community to feel comfortable with uh, foreigners in a sense and uh, for you to have established that relationship with them. So let's go to how the Keystone Foundation got named the Keystone Foundation and then you can tell me about maybe all the trials and tribulations and challenges but of course all the the good times that you've had as a result of starting this organization i'm sure it's been quite a ride yeah the ride's still going on uh keystone the name keystone comes from the uh, ecological term of keystone species now there are several keystone species in nature there are fishes which are keystone species there are insects the example that we'd like to we also often give is of a golden backed woodpecker yeah it's a woodpecker it's your logo as well it's the logo as well that's right that's right it's the k which is a chip that the gold logo does the woodpecker does so if you look at a woodpecker when it makes a nest it builds a permanent hole in the tree it unlike other birds it doesn't bring in some leaves and twigs and branches and has a temporary structure for its young ones and after some time with the weather in the wind in all these climatic conditions that thing completely withers and goes off this is a permanent structure in the in the in the trunk the young ones come they live there and they go out but that space is there for any other life forms to take advantage of that space and grow out from so in nature you will identify keystone species because they would restore and they would provide other people to take advantage of that space that they have created and really blossom so the idea of keystone foundation in the hills in the nilgiris in kotagiri here is a small village small place we have come from outside but we wanted to create a permanent nest where people can come and do their thing and really have any kind of initiatives they would like to today if i look at look at 26 years of our work there are 10 different thematic groups that work here we have incubated three different other organizations the last forest enterprises which is a marketing enterprise the adimale producer company which is a tribal led producer company the nilgiri natural history society 
which works with students and uh, citizens of the Nilgiris. And each of these institutions, they do their own, they have their own trajectory. They do their interesting work. Even within Keystone, people work on pure music, people come on. We are sitting at the community radio station of the Radio Kotigiri. The communities handle this entire community radio. They, they build up their entire narrative and curriculum. So this is a nest that doesn't define what kind of being or what kind of flight you have to have. You have your own flight. And that's the beauty of this. That's beautiful. I think the idea and the symbolism of the nest and the keystone being the foundation stone for so many other life forms um, to, to come alive in a sense and to go chase whatever they have to. Um, a little more about the different tributaries of the Keystone Foundation, uh, the fact that you're working, yes, with the community, but also biodiversity, conservation, subsistence farming. There's just so many aspects that the Keystone Foundation has delved into, water. So was this the vision from the very beginning or have things just fallen into place one after the other? See, we started, as I told you, we started with bees, right? And uh, soon we realized in the villages that we worked and we started working with the Irulas and the Kurumbas, they are both uh, tribal communities, uh, only found, Kurumbas are only found in the Nilgiris here and nowhere else, this particular Kurumba. But we found out that if we do not work on their homestead produce, if we don't work on uh, some of their health issues, if we don't work on their shelter issues, all these things are connected. It would be too narrow if we just look at honeybees. And honeybees was like an entry point to us. We moved in with honeybees and then we talked about everything to do with the honey collector, everything to do with the honey hunter, everything to do with the beekeeping. So all these things that you say, whether it's agriculture, marketing of their produce, drinking water issues, shelter issues... Uh, education for the children, uh, health issues, I've said, uh, training and capacity building. Today in our organization, we are a team of uh, 50 to 60 people. And within the organization, we have several Ladivasis also. Jayanti, whom we just met outside now, she is a Nirula girl and she is the in charge of the community radio station. She handles the entire radio thing. She travels to Delhi. She travels everywhere to talk about Radio Kotagiri. So there are several of these Adivasis who are part of our organization. And many of these things have, uh, have grown very organically. But I would say in the 26 years of our existence, every five years, we have tried to reinvent ourselves. So we have restructured the organization based on the priorities that exist now. We haven't kept it uh, sort of stuck in the past. So every five years, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, timeline that we have made in, uh, in one of the buildings where you see how the organization models have changed every five years. And I think that gives us the relevance and that also gives us sufficient bandwidth to be able to be creative and really let things flow and organically things come up. Absolutely. I think the fact that you keep reinventing the wheel is like you rightly said, is what keeps you relevant. And uh, 
you're constantly in touch with the community so you know how their needs are changing with time how their relationship with land and forests and the environment is also subject to so much change because of perhaps the degradation that the environment has also gone through over the years i think one of the things that shout has learned or our character the jungle gypsy has learned from his coverage of the place is that you can never look at land people the forest in isolation you have to you have to look at it in entirety and uh, and i just want to understand that as a non-profit how have you made that objective known to say the people that are supporting you or the people that know of the work that you're doing how do you explain a concept like that to anybody who wants to extend a hand to further this vision of yours that must have been challenging to get your point across and because we all know about the environment and we all know about uh, sustainability and everybody's talking about climate change now but how many people were really willing to be sensitive to say the indigenous community or the people that inhabit this land and not look at it in isolation from other problems yes that's a very good question uh, you see when we started keystone as i told you uh, we had to actually take loans from family and friends to start this survey also of tamil nadu we didn't have enough money we had saved some money from himachal pradesh i remember we bought our first computer that was the only thing we could afford and uh, so uh, first investment yeah <laughs> So we had uh, to really tell what we wanted to do but but you know there are some people who kind of come when you have when you search these kind of dreams and i'm sure they are there for everybody and uh, i will give you an example there was a there is still uh, there's a lady called Brigitta Goransson she is a uh, uh, swede and uh, she is uh, one of the founders of this very small interesting organization called the swallows in sweden and uh, she's worked in india for a long time and uh, she knew us from long long back much before keystone was born because the project we used to do in kodaikanal had a connection with their project also in bangladesh where i spent some time understanding bees and beekeeping so she kept her ears open and in a conversation that we three of us had snay matthew and me on what we would like to do in the future she was just listening to all three of us and then she says i think there is something in that what you're saying why don't you pursue it more why don't you look at things more because i think something interesting will come out of this conversation and she believed in us and uh, the swallows gave us the first grant i still remember of 4 lakhs a year those days 4 lakhs a year was fabulous amount of money uh, i when we had nothing we had a letter saying that here is 12 lakhs for 3 years 4 lakhs every year which is just amazing so like this there are several of these avatars you know who follow your work there was one one gentleman called ramesh dharmaji and he was in uh, he's retired now and lives in bangalore he was with sidbi small industries development bank of india we went to give him uh, we went to chennai to give him a presentation to set up a honey and beeswax value addition unit and we wanted a loan from sidbi we didn't want to go on the grants road so ramesh dharmaji he was used to 
I'm talking about 95-96. So Sidby's minimum amount they used to fund was a couple of crores. So here they were completely confused that we were asking for very little money, less than 5 lakhs, to set up a honey and beeswax enterprise with tribal people. He got interested and he came to the Nilgiris and we took him to the villages and that changed his life. And that changed and Sidby gave us the grant, gave us the loan with a small component of a grant and in an old dilapidated cow shed because we didn't have this campus that we are talking about that you're seeing now. Just round the corner, in an old dilapidated cow shed, we set up this honey and beeswax enterprise. And that is what is Last Forest all about today. So you have these avatars who are listening all the time. And it's not that uh, they were they existed in 1996 and they don't exist in 2020. They're, they're all there. And they are multiplying also. So people are looking at good stories. They're looking at real change. They're looking at innovation. Looking at things which have not been done before. And you have to believe in them. And they have to believe in you. Um, I'm telling you, that's the story. So you're saying that because you had something that was completely out of the box. And obviously they're looking at your vision. And just the conviction that you have for this particular idea. And the belief in yourself that you want to do this. It must have felt like a very big gamble in the in the beginning. Sometimes one can do very big things with very small things in hand. It's like pivoting. You need a small things. It's like it's like using a feather in the in the ears of an elephant. You know, so you you need the right kind of a pivot and the right kind of tipping strategy. To make something very big move. So at that time when we did this. We didn't. For us it was this is what needs to be done. Now if I look back and say my God. We backpacked for one year. In a really harsh and hostile country. And territories and unknown people. And going and living in different villages. In forest rest houses. Under the shed. Under a tree. Just three of us. Maximum four. Unplanned. Unplanned. And uh, would I be able to do it again? Uh, look at look at me I don't even have any hair left on my head now but I just say yes why not yes yes absolutely I think uh, yeah you you need to if you dive into something this bound to become bound to be big there's, there's no question about it but you need to dive at the deep end very very well said and I started this podcast saying that it's going to be extremely inspiring for anybody that listens to it but yeah I think the takeaway in an immediate sense is of course to dive in at the deep end and just go out there and do what you have to and thank you so much for joining us on this podcast it's it's been an absolute pleasure i have one teeny question though about the times and i'm sure there have been times that you thought you could not pull through or if there have ever been those kind of slumps where you had to really really Three of y'all had to really pull yourselves out of a ditch and say that we need to press on regardless of these lows and regardless of the times getting tougher. A meal of more than 10 rupees was uh, we couldn't afford. Uh, we couldn't afford any hiring of any vehicles because it was 400 rupees per day plus diesel. So we bust everywhere, local transport, public transport. We trekked, we trudged, 
and uh, we we realized that we have very little money and um, we three our first person who joined us a guy called leo he's retired recently robert leo and uh, the first year we realized that he was coming of marriageable age and his parents were looking for alliances he was from tamil nadu and they wanted to know where we are going to settle so we made sure that whatever money we had goes to him so for the first few years first few months i don't think we even uh, uh, took any salary because we made sure that leo has to get his salary so there are times even today i would say there are eight times where we realize that uh, funding is getting more and more difficult uh, not many people want to come to uh, all the way to kotigiris to see our work kotigiris after all it's quite remote to reach Uh, we are not sitting in bombay we are not sitting in delhi that i can go and meet my donor friends over an evening dinner and talk to about about the work and hopefully get some more resources so these times are always there where you feel that uh, whether we are going to cross that hurdle but in 26 years we have always crossed that hurdle we have never had a situation where we felt that uh, the water is really high up above our heads no we have managed to float and uh, when there is no wind we paddle so we keep going fantastic thank you so much for your time i know how precious it is and thank you for for taking our time to do this it really means a lot to the shout network and for any and all stories On the Keystone Foundation, please follow the Jungle Gypsy on the Shout Network. That's www.theshoutnetwork.com. Thank you so much, Pratham. It has been a joy. You're welcome. You're welcome. Great speaking to you. Thank you.